It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Glad to be back. It uh, feels good to be saying like we're caught up on Glee uh, in a way and, and, and back to doing it, uh, I guess, one at a time. Um, and I'm kind of glad for this one because this show kind of deserves that that solo uh, examination, if you will. It was a hell of a show. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, this show was a lot more. Um, it was a big game show. It's Crook and Hall. They've still only got half capacity at Curricon Hall because of the COVID restrictions for a smaller company. But it, it felt like a big show. It was presented like a big show. There was big names on this show. There was big guest stars on this show. And it was for the UWF Ledette Championship, the first championship that Ledette UWF has um, put together. Um, so, yeah, uh, we've got a lot to talk about on this. So, again, yeah, we're at Kurwikan Hall. We had Hara Murata and Masato Yoshino along with Shima on uh, Coventry. It was on the 7th. That means it was last Wednesday. We, yeah, we did three shows last week, so we thought we'd even it out and do this show this week because otherwise we're going to get well behind. Um, yeah. So, uh, and this was a big show, and it was an important show. Uh, and we've got lots to talk about in this particular show as well. So... Let's open things up. Jan's family, Ese Onitskaya and Yusei Kodama, defeated Yu Iska and Yua Suzumi uh, of the regular army. Four minutes and 59 seconds. This was kind of your classic late opener. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, like I said, classic league opener. Quick in and out of there. Uh, and uh, as we always talk about the growing uh Success of of, of Yon's family with you know, like I say, Issei is always that stalwart, that 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 pillar, if you will, and you know whether it's it's Yusuke or you know they switch them out, it's it's pretty much a you know it's pretty much a win from there. So yeah, five minutes, not too much. Uh, like I say, got in, got out of there, and uh, I think this was the dark match. So like you say, good good open. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they moved on to um, Black Generation. Kataro, Suzuki, and Yutani went up. And, oh, sorry, and Emperado Azteca. Um, they were bringing all the big guns in for this one. Up against 60 seconds, Jun Tonsho, Kiichi Sato, and Oji Shiba. Five minutes and three seconds. Um, this was kind of the veterans kind of walking the dog on 60 seconds in, in many cases. Um, five minutes and three seconds is not really... Um, kind of uh, where it's at for a team of dual 60-second stature. But again, you had the um, veterans in Emperado Estaca and Kotaro Suzuki and Yutani, um, and they went over in this match. And But it was thoroughly entertaining whilst the match was going on. What did you think of this one, Marcus? No, absolutely. Good stuff. You know, if I root for 60 seconds, those, you know, those guys got some dogs in them, but they just came up against some bigger dogs. Um, like you said, they, they kind of got walked. It, you know, and uh, you know, cause, you know, Suzuki and Utani are a hell of a tandem as a double. But then you you add Azteca, and that that adds a whole different beast. As as we're gonna talk about with Black Generation as we go, you know, get further into the card. Um, yeah, they just, you know, they started off good. You know that that quick, you know, high impact 
you know, uh, aerial offense. But, you know, like I said, you know, I, I kind of describe black generation a lot of times as a precision blade and they kind of, you know, uh, pull the guys down and broke them down and uh, got them in there and out of there quick, you know, in a quick fashion. So, yeah, black generation, you know, is, uh, like I said, maybe second and, and it's going back and forth. Uh, second, maybe only the bull orchestra just because they're the staple. But, yeah. They just uh, any combination of black generations is gonna be a long night, or well, in this case, a short one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, next up in the tag team affair, which was quite remarkable, really, because it was Al Linderman, the former G Rex champion, tagging with T Hawk, and they lost to Kazayashi and Minoru Tanaka, Minoru Tanaka, color counts. In five minutes and 53 seconds, Minoru Tanaka made Al Linderman tap. Now, Hazashi and Tanaka have not had an awful lot of success within Glate as of late. And we have talked about the fact that they are bookers for the respective uh, UWF and uh, Glate sides of the equation, or executive advisors, shall we say. And generally speaking, it's considered bad form for executive advisors to have any success in wrestling promotion. Um, but this was quite the professional performance. It was slick, it was down to it, and Tanaka made Lindemann tap. And collar counts have not had a rising star for quite some time in this company, but now they have, and they beat Lindemann and T-Hawk to do the job. So the former and G-Rex champions go down to collar counts. This is a, at a play later in the card, and we'll talk about that later, but what did you think of this one, Marcus? Because this was over quickly, but it was, as you'd expect, with the four of the best wrestlers in the company, Super slick. What was your take on this particular match? Yeah, the quote somebody I, I rarely quote just because it's, <laughs> as they uh, have aged, their logic has gotten a little wonky. Uh, Booker T, this was good. Um, yeah, this the, <laughs> I hated this match because it ended. <laughs> um, like this, like the first two matches, okay, you're under six minutes. This should have been, this could have been 15 minutes and 53 seconds for me. Like this was, like you said, slick, it was good, it was quick. Like, you got the two G-Rex guys, uh, like you said, the former and the current, against Kazayashi and Tanaka, and, like, um, they they came in there, and they, they absolutely wanted to smoke. Uh, they're, they're the best, they're the guys, and they was they were showing Linderman and Hawk, like, we are the OGs, we are the vets, and we hit just as hard and fast as you guys do, and they was giving as good as they got. And that last bit with with Linderman and uh, Tanaka was brilliant, <laughs> and uh, caught me off guard. And like I said, it was great. But then I was mad because I'm like, I, I need more of this. Like they can run this back. Um, but ironically enough, as soon as they got the win and how good they looked, because like you said, cold cans don't exactly get us haven't been exactly been on a streak of wins. It went where I kind of wanted it to go because I'm like, if they could do this against the former and the current G-Rex champions, I can only imagine the type of fight they could bring to other competitors, which we're going to get off into uh, later. But this was great. They, they, I, I definitely want them to kind of run this back. This was too short uh, for my, for me personally. But I think because of the ending, it, it played into, uh, you know, why it was, uh, you know, so good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was. It was just like this. This was perfect. This is what they needed to kickstart and get something going with a big win in short order, and that's what they did. And, and that, that told a story and a half. And speaking of stories and a half, oh my word! Yunagi Sayaka tagging with Yukari Hosokawa. 
uh, reluctant, if somewhat enthusiastic, for new protege as uh, the matriarch of Glate. I went up against some visitors from JPure. It's Suki Aoki and Raidin Hagana. Um, this was an odd match. Made more sense at the end of the match. Well, Sayaki is doing her level best to be the matriarch of Glee. She kind of got given the job against her will. And Hosokawa isn't buying into her as a mentor, um, judging by the fact that she wanted to start this match and basically push Sayaki out of the way uh, politely to a senior, but did like push her out of the way. And Hagani and Aoki are a well-oiled tag team machine from JPure, and they came in and kicked ass, which is kind of the job they had to do in this particular match. And understandably, Hosokawa and Sayaki went down. Um, and then something's happened after the match. But let's talk about the match itself. This was a sweet little wrestling match. I personally like this. It's one of my favourite on the show. Um, I do like Sayaka a lot. And Hosokawa has come on an awful long way for someone who's so young, has so much presence, much more presence than you expect a young girl to have. Um, but you can see why they signed her at 16 years old to a long-term contract. Um, and Aoki and Hagani, who are wrestlers I've seen before in JPUR, who are amazing wrestlers, and they did the things they expected them to do. So this was really cool. What did you think of it, Marcus? No, 100% echo your sentiments. But we, you know, at this point, the, the you know, the women for Bleed always show up and show out. Um, obviously, the home team and the visiting um, always show up and show out. This was a, you know, unique situation because you had, like you said, the veteran and, and, uh, and the protege on one side. And then you had, like you said, the well-oiled machine. But you also had, obviously, with uh, Hagane uh, brought that, that Hartley-Jackson vibe to it. Um, and Aoki, I, I, you know, this is my first time seeing both of them, but particularly Aoki stuck out to me. I love her ring gear, um, real badass ring gear. But yeah, this was this was interesting. Um, like you said, the interesting chemistry, to say the least, between Yunage and Yukari. Um, Yukari is great, uh, but you know, maybe you know want to jail more with Yunage. Uh, they, they, you know, did what they could to you know be swift, fast, pace, and and keep uh Hagane uh yeah. at bay while they tried to you know gang up on Aoki but uh at, in the end they came together and kind of put them away so uh the, the women never disappoint in the strategy I like the strategy but they just got to get more locked in like uh the victors of the match indeed <laughs> now the end of the match um as I said Siaki got the job of matriarch of Gleek because Michiko Miyagi quit wrestling or so we believed. And we did speculate, did we not, Marcus? This may or may not be some form of ruse perpetrated upon the Gleet watching public. And yeah, we were yeah. right, because Kazayashi turned up along with her new partner, AOI, um, to attack uh, um, Sayaki and Hosokawa, uh, to which they did, and to introduce themselves to the Gleet audience. And by gone. <laughs> Did they get some heat? <laughs> I've been looking through the Twitter comments and pressing the translate button, and oh lordy, they are not popular. Um, AOE, AOI is from uh, Just Tap Out Wrestling. She is trained by Taki Michinoku, the man who is not a living legend, um, and according to Karen Kelly. Um, and they made quite the presence. At the end of the beatdown, Hagani and Oki came and stood up for Sayaki and Hasekawa. Um, and kind of like, you know, 
Um, they don't like Sayaki, but they like Hapsakawa. She thought they thought she was cool. Sayaki's all right. They weren't keen. <laughs> yeah, what's, <laughs> they made what's, what's, clear. <laughs> what's the yacht? What's the yacht? The one that didn't shake the hand in the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that uh, that 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 makes sense, and it also makes sense because essentially they were standing there the whole time. Yeah. It's not like they, it's not like they left and came back. I'm like, y'all don't have nothing better to do than watch these. So it, I, I appreciate the fact that they went on ahead and stood up for them. Um, but yeah, it's it's not too often times that you see uh, two people come in and get that much heat that quickly. So that that spoke to the, obviously the demeanor, the look, the whole vibe of it all, uh, which you want to make an impression when you are uh, making a uh, first time viewing, if you will, or debut, if you will. So. Um, I always appreciated that about Glee. Even when you get a match and the story in the match, there's always a continuing thing afterwards, so the wheel just keeps going. So that that was uh, that was good. Yeah, and I think yeah. It, builds, it builds a narrative for the women's division, which, let's be honest, is three women in in Glee. So yeah, if they can use them outsiders to to build up a, a roster. I was regular appearing roster like they have done with the men's divisions, then we've got lots of stuff to move on with. So that's really, really cool. So, yeah. Um, but let us move on to uh, another important match. Soma Watanabe defeated Tezuya Izuchi in 10 minutes and 55 seconds. This felt like it went on for 45 minutes. <laughs> in a good way, this match was brutal. This was stiff. Um, this was kind of like going back to watching all Japan in the 90s, like Kawada and Misawa levels of stiff, Hanson and Tenaru levels of stiff, because Izuki and Watanabe are trying to prove themselves as the next big thing in the company, as you can probably imagine, as they are indeed both the next big thing in the company. And um, this is this was just all the level. Watanabe, as we've mentioned, has been on a long push for the last couple of months has tried to broaden out his um, moveset, and, and we have discussed how that has kind of been a bit dangerous, to be honest. Um, but this was a tight, tight performance. This was great. Just love this. Watch, I'd watch these two battles not have each other any day of the week. This was fantastic. Um, and Watanabe, rightfully so, takes his position as the number one contender to T-Box G-Rex Championship. And there was a bit of confrontation between Mr. Watanabe and Mr. T-Hawk after the match. We'll talk about that in a moment. Marcus, what's your thoughts on this match, Rooney? Great stuff, great stuff. Two of the young guns that's uh, uh, no doubt they're going to be champion one day. Uh, maybe not no time soon, uh, with, you know, with T-Hawk standing guard. Um, and I appreciate the fact that he was, and rightfully so, as a champion that's welcoming competition at ringside, scoping out his next challenger. Um, as you would. Um, yeah, great match. These, these are, like I said, two of the best up-and-coming guys. Obviously, like I said, Watanabe's been getting the push um, and, and, and building out certain aspects of his his game, if you will, in terms of Arsenal. Uh, Tetsuya always fighting. Um, hard to keep the guy down. Uh, and it kind of got to the end of the match where even though he was kind of, you know, uh, pretty much done, he wasn't done, you know, uh, you want to keep fighting and watching that, but he was like, I'm okay. You want you, you want to you, you want to show some life. I'm not gonna give you just one full fifty. I'm gonna give you two. So uh, yeah, that was that was good, and it, it gave T Hawk a good good example of how far this guy is willing to go uh, to knock him off that perch and take that championship off him, which is gonna be a hell of a climb because T Hawk is uh, on a different level these days. But I appreciate the fact that, like I said, he was ringside, 
he got in there. He acknowledged him by giving him obviously the, the medal, which is another aspect of uh, Glee that I love that the no more contenders get these gold medals. Um, as uh, the, the show who you know show their place in in the, in, the, uh, in line, and uh, then they you know I don't necessarily need Japanese to know what went on there. <laughs> you know, uh, you know you you up next, but you're not gonna knock me off, and so on and so forth. And uh, it should be a hell of a match. I'm very much looking forward to it. Very much so. So we move on to one of the big storyline matches of this particular match. Black Generation International, Harley Jackson, Keita Ishida brought in El Bendito and Flamita uh, to fill out their squad up against Bulk Orchestra, Galeno Domal, Kazma, Kazma Sakamoto, Quiet Storm and Rinchi Kawakami. This went for 8 minutes and 22 seconds, but as we've been mentioning over the last couple of weeks, Kawakami has not done well since he came back off injury earlier in the year. And another miscommunication with Sakamoto. They are the former G, uh, sorry, G Infinity Tag Team Champions, pardon me, and have been long-standing tag team partners. And they're usually great together, but they were a mess in this particular match. And that resulted in a loss, and Black Generation International were, as quite rightly they were, gloating over things, which is leading to a big match, for reasons best known to themselves from what I could pick out from the promo, between 60 Seconds and Bulk Orchestra at the Tokyo uh, City Hall show later in the month, um, which is, of course, their anniversary show, because we're, we're getting to that point in the year. But this match itself was a ton of fun up until that point and moves the story along nicely. Uh, what did you think of the match, first of all? Yeah, uh, yeah it's always, you know, like I said, you put, you put this particular, uh, these two squads on any show, and it'll probably be one of the better matches on any card. Um, just absolute dynamite on on both sides, always singing their praises because it's deserved. Uh, like I always say, like if Bulk Orchestra is like a you know this uh, heavy hammer, you know uh, Black Generation is like this precision knife, and it's uh, like you got Hartley Jackson, Kato, El Bandito, and Flamita. Like it's it's hard, but like if anybody could go ahead. You know, Harley Jackson. It it will be anybody gonna take him off his feet. Of course, it would be Quiet Storm. Not even not even Dale Mall. It was it's Quiet Storm, of course. And uh, yeah, it it was coming down kind of kind of coming down to the wire there. And then and, and Kato, like you said, a miscommunication, um, which is rare for for both. But we've been seeing this particular thing grow with uh, Kawakami. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all it took. For, for you know them to, to pull out the win and then 60 seconds came out and was uh trying to state they claim because as you know you know this is a uh, black generation that both kind of mm-hmm. at the top and then you got you know strong horse of course and then 60 seconds and then you know after that it'll be you know uh the growing of young family and so on and so forth but i appreciate the fact that 60 seconds wanted to come out there and state they claim uh at a time where both orchestra is looking a tad shaky for once Mm. More than a task. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Not good. We're, we're in big trouble here, I think, for Bulk Orchestra. Um, you shall see. Um, but we get to the semi-main event, which was for the G-Infinity Tag Team Championships. Now, the opening of the show, there was a press conference, as is traditional for a championship match night. Yun Sato and Rei Sato signed uh, Orchestra, that's Voodoo Murders from All Japan Pro Wrestling. They signed contracts for the Tag Team Championships against Bulk Orchestra, Chechi Matani and Hayato Tamura. 
18 minutes and 16 seconds. I actually really enjoyed this. The guys at Cage Match did not enjoy this. This is the lowest rated match we've reviewed. That <laughs> has got a score. 3.3 out of 10 from the Cage Match users. I can understand why it was a bit lumpy. But as a, as a final performance for Shimantani and Tamura as champions, I didn't think it was that bad. I was like, I thought this was quite good, to be honest with you. Uh, Voodoo Murders take the championships in 18 minutes and 16 seconds, which is probably a bit overly long. But having said that, this was a pretty solid outing, but it is a shame because Volkorkstra, Shimitani and Tamura have been absolutely amazing tag team champions and have really given that poli the belt that polish that it required for a starting championship team. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, it's, if it's if this is shaky storyline going on, Borgo Kester is also like a shaky back and full storyline going on between me, James, and uh, some of the ratings with uh, Cage Match <laughs> when it comes to Glee. Uh, but I digress. Uh, to your point, like you said, uh, Check and, and, and Tomorrow have been brilliant, um, absolutely holding down the fort as, you know, the lead champions of the company, like we talked about. On the last show, like they've they've made those titles feel as important, if not more so. Obviously, being the first uh, championships of the company, but in terms of match quality and consistency, they've been second to none. Um, and you know, just looking at the Beauty Motors when they first came in, obviously aesthetically, uh, they're gonna be you know a challenge. But then when they get in the ring, uh, they're not just two you know you know lumbering you know. Uh, oaths or anything like that they're real it's a real channel like you said you can understand how some people could say it was overly plotting and maybe long but that that was a part of the story you know you got these you know two amazing champions that have toppled every challenge that has come before them and they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at these guys and it's just not getting it done they they executing a plan of um you know separation disorientation and 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 taking out these guys' legs to keep them off their feet because they know they can't afford to let them establish a power game and base and any type of momentum because, you know, they can get them in and out of there fast and just, they just couldn't, they just couldn't put them away. A lot of great instances of near falls, certainly when I thought they had them, absolutely with, you know, pending instances and it just didn't fall. And then it came down to a stalling suplex, um, which is a hell of a fall because these are not short guys. Those these those Saito brothers are not small by any means. And then an avalanche splash. So uh, it was a hell of a fall, uh, a hell of a well fought match, and uh, almost wanted to shed a tear watching those guys lose. But it's uh, it's one of those things where now they're also on guys that seem like they're gonna want to be champions until they you know or be champions until they don't want to be. So uh, competition just got a little stiffer, you know. Indeed, and, and all good things must come to an end, of course, as well, because um, they've got to get them back at some point. Because they, they've got to. They just can't not do. Um, but at the end of the match, Voodoo um, Murders were attacked by Collar Counts, uh, Kaz Hayashi and Minoru Tanaka. Um, um, so that pretty much set up the next challenges. Um, kind of just swept over Bullcorkruster there. No rematch for them by the looks of things. They have business to attend to with 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... Everyone except Kawakami seems to be not that happy with the idea of being involved with 60 seconds, to be honest with you. But yeah. Yes, and shout out to the commissioner, man. Uh, uh, looking fresh in the, in the, in the all blue. 
And uh, I had to take care, <laughs> had to take care of stuff throughout the night because it was getting a bit chaotic, and we had to come down here. Like, look, obviously we already know where it's going. I'm just going to make it official. You got the vets, <laughs> the vets versus the new young guns and the new champions. Set it up, and I, that will also be a hell of a fight that I'm looking forward to because, like I said, you know, um, the two wildly veterans got to got to chop down these two oaks, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. So let's move on to the main event, which was for the new and vacant um, Ledetsa UWF Championships. Nicely styled title belt. All the title belts in Ledet are really cool, but the, the UWF belts are banger. I really like yeah. it. Beautiful, um, yeah. The two finalists were Shinya Aoki of DDT and Takanura Ito of Glate. Um, no Yan's family stuff in this. This is serious business. He was down to cases. And Shinya Aoki, again, is a serious wrestler in a company that's not that serious. So this was a chance for him to show what brought him to the dance in the first place and what brought him to the dance was shoot-style wrestling. Nine minutes and 37 seconds, and the story of this match was Aoki trying to use sweet science against Ito's power. However, no matter how good a grappler you are, if you get thrown on your head by an avalanche German suplex enough times, you are not going to get up. Ito managed to lay in enough kicks to make sure Aoki couldn't stay on his feet, and it was an uphill battle for Aoki all the way through. I really enjoyed this match. It's an old school kind of story to tell David and Goliath, but Goliath this time takes the win. Marcus, what's your thoughts on this one? I already had it made up in my mind why I wanted this to go, but I also felt like watching this uh, towards the middle to the end, I felt like a parent watching their kid. felt like, you know, this is a shoe in the wind, but things, things got shaky, and I'm sitting back there like, what did we practice at all? Why do we <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm like, okay, I'm like, yo, finna walk Aoki, right? He's got yeah. the, he got, like, they about height wasn't what, but, you know, Ito has the, the, the thickness and he got the power and he's like he literally you know uh put him put him in the in on the on the absolute defense with those kicks. I'm like he's gonna walk him with just kicking him in the legs. I'm like if he takes those kicks to the midsection, it's gonna be a wrap. Which is where I thought it was gonna go. Or like you said, the out you know, the German get to the spot where that was plausible. And the only way I can, the only thing I can compare it to is like a uh, like a python that spits up its food when it's when it's got to go back on the attack. Aito pulls out the arm for out of nowhere, and I'm just sitting back like, "What are you doing? Like, what, is, what is going on?" I'm thinking like they they not really finna flip the script. Thankfully, he got to the the rope, and then uh, Aoki got his confidence back because he, he got rattled with those, you know, getting knocked down twice. And then Ito, I'm like, absolutely getting cornered on the defense, getting knocked down with these kicks. I'm like, oh, my God, this might go left. And then also, like you said, the beautiful story of these UWF matches, you can never call it. But thankfully, Ito, Ito, as we are used to seeing, dropped him with a second power dropper and was not taking anything to chance. You know, I'm gonna dump him on his head not once, but twice, and get him up out of here. And we we got a, a new, uh, the first, uh, you know, uh, UWF uh, champion, beautiful championship on a guy that is absolutely deserving of. It. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love watching Aoki wrestle because he's just a wiry old guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then that, then that little thing he does too, because because he got knocked down twice, and then he did this little mind game with the scooting, scooting, and the scoot. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's brilliant. 
he's just like you can imagine him in he's the scariest guy in the gym not because he's six foot six and not because he's 300 pounds it's because he's the old shooter in the corner who quietly goes about his business and everyone knows don't mess <laughs> yeah, and he's also he somebody that, yeah he's also somebody that's perfect for the uwf uh matches mm. because he's patient mm. like you get knocked like you get knocked off points like you know he got obviously got knocked down to three early on but he didn't let it rattle him he just you know like i said went to playing the mind games a little bit with the with the shuffle across the, the, the rat and then ever so you know eloquently he took a shot to get one to get an opportunity with the arm and then he damn near had it after that, because he he rattled uh, Eton, like I said, put him on the defense and was just messing him up with the kicks. So, you know, somebody like Aoki is probably one of the most dangerous people to have in these situations. But, uh, yeah, um, hopefully we haven't definitely not seen the last of him. But uh, it's going to be interesting watching Ito defend uh, his title now. Because if he, if he starts getting regular competition on the same uh, level of Aoki, he's going to be some, uh, some hell of five matches. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing with Aoki. He's such a um, he's such a, a a guy that you know. Obviously, came from the the shoot style background uh, from martial arts as well, you know. And he, he was a martial arts fighter before he was a wrestler, and you know, he wrestles for DDT and he does six man tags against pheromones and <laughs> wrestles giant pandas and and. Uh, invisible wrestlers and all of those those kind of things, and he's quite happy doing that. But he can also do this, you know. And I think that's that's a great thing. You know, he's not he's not afraid to like do the DDT daft stuff, which has a massive audience in Japan. You know, has a massive audience everywhere. DDT is awesome. I love it. But you know, it's it's a, a different kind of game to what he does in the clay, and he's a different wrestler, even though he wears the same tights, black tights, black boots, and knee pads. That's all he needs to do. And wherever he is, he stands out because he's special. Just one of those guys who's special. But there we go. And that sets up cards for the upcoming uh, Glate 55, um, which and Tokyo City Doll, so Tokyo City, the Tokyo Dome City Hall venue. Um, intriguingly, we've got an eight-woman tag um, with loads of people all of the people who were on that show <laughs> plus somebody else from ice ribbon and Jen Kai as well i can't see who it is i can't remember who it is from ice ribbon um you're gonna get a bunch of other stuff happening too um that's all the matches that are announced oh more uwf there's a couple of uwf tag team matches uiska and yoshida versus shinyaoki and hikura saito um, obviously, that's going to be an intriguing kind of matchup in the lineup as far as challenging ESO for the UWF Championship. I'm just going through the Twitter account and I get that picture like five times. So people are very excited about that because it keeps getting retweeted. Um, Hosokawa versus Ryo Miyazumi is coming up. That's going to be intriguing. <laughs> the former number one contender to the AEW Championship. Is going to go up against uh, Hasekawa. That'll be a learning experience for her, I have no doubt. Um, yeah, so there you go. You've got loads of things going on there. So, shall we move on to New Japan Dominion? Do it. 
Yeah, um, Marcus is going to join me on this. He hasn't seen the show, have you? No, I haven't had a chance to check it out. No, uh, do you mind? No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, that's cool. I'm just making sure. Um, <laughs> um, we're at New Japan Dominion 6.4. We're going back to the old numbering. Uh, at Saka Joe Hall, one of the best wrestling venues in the world, because it's called the Saka Joe Hall to start with. 7,000 in attendance. IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship number one contender match. Billy Emotion Spray defeated Lance Archer in eight minutes and one seconds. This went on a bit. This was good. I mean, you know how I feel about William. Um, nice to see Lance Archer back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They had a really good match, as they tended to do. Lance Archer unaffiliated in New Japan these days, obviously with the end of Suzuki Goon. So he's just kind of floating around, doing his own thing, getting matches like he doesn't do in AEW. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. That was so Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega for Forbidden Door. Um, which was kind of obviously going to happen, I think. I can't think of any right. And people have been saying, oh, you should do it at Wembley. And it's like, why? Will Ospreay doesn't it doesn't draw here very well. Even you can put a thousand people in, like uh, eight hundred people in your call, which is great. But like they've just sold out thirty six thousand tickets by themselves. <laughs> they, don't any, they don't need his help, do they? So I kind of made sense for it to be at Forbidden Door because he's a New Japan wrestler, not an AEW wrestler. So there's that. Yeah. Any thoughts there, sir? I mean, it's cool to see because, uh, you know, like you said, Lance Archer's kind of just been doing his own thing, loosely going across the place. He's, you know, obviously a great opponent, but uh, there's a larger narrative. Uh, if for no other reason in terms of him losing, there's a larger narrative about Will Ospreay getting back to that championship and not just back to that championship, back to the guy that basically uh, put him in his place, uh, taking a championship off him and, and, and Kenny Omega, so running that back in a way that they're doing it. Uh, coming off of probably one of the matches that the kick off the year, um, it's good. And like you said, it works at Forbidden Door because of just uh, the narrative around that show in general. So, uh, like you said, I, I don't doubt these two had a had a great match. But like I said, there's a larger thing here with Osprey and uh, Omega, and that's that's where it's going. So. Definitely. Um... There is business to attend to on this card. Los Ignorables de Abon, Bushi, Shingo, Takagi, Tetsuya, Nato, and Titan defeated just five guys, Duki, Taichi, Takamichi, Noko, and Yashinubi Kanamori. Kind of, it was going to what you expected it to be. It wasn't, it was professionally slick. Nine minutes, 24 seconds. A lot of fun to watch. They're also over at the moment, both just five guys and Los Ignorables. Titan especially, he's way over. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like it was the the warm up to the main event of Just Five Guys Sonata versus Lij's um, newest member, which was which is um, of course Yosuji. So it was kind of like building up to that, but it kind of like wasn't really necessary. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? It was just like it was on the card. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get NATO and Takagi to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and cool to get the win. You'll never hear me complain about a Tai Chi loss, uh, particularly involving <laughs> Shinko with everything that's going on between the two of them. So, yeah. Tai Chi is your current king of pro wrestling champion, and he beat Takagi for it. So, yeah. There yeah. You go. So, yeah. Um, next up was the first championship match of the evening IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, Catch 22. The former champions take the titles back from intergalactic jet suckers Kevin Knight and Kushida. 10 minutes and 38 seconds. This was a blinding match. This was really good. 
Akira and Kevin Knight, obviously the two younger wrestlers kind of facing off against each other, while the veterans faced off against each other as well. A lot of back and forth. Dan Maloney accompanied um, Catch-22 to the... Sorry, Catch-22, not Catch-22. I should get that right. Catch-22 to ringside. He is the newest member of United Empire until they won the championship belts, and I'll explain what happened then in a moment. But yeah, Akira and TJP kind of back on top of the junior heavyweight division, kind of proved that the challenge of the titles can change hands at the drop of a hat. Kevin Knight and Kushida have a good short run, but they drop it at the first defence. So there is a feeling that Kushida may be on the outs a little bit after a best of super juniors that only saw him get two points, sorry, four points and two wins. Any thoughts on that? Because I know he's one of your favourites, so I hate to ask you. Yeah, I mean that's it's a trying time. <laughs> yeah, it's a trying time. You know, the day, days have uh, been better for Kashida in that regard. Maybe we might see him more back in the states. Maybe he might do some more stuff with Impact. I don't know. Um, I I'd like to see that. Um, and uh, Knight as well. I'm a fan. I've you know become a fan of Knight. He's a uh, you know um, one of the young exciting guys to watch. And the fact that they paired them is brilliant. Um, Hate hate anybody. I like losing me anybody involved with TJP, but what are you gonna do? Uh, well, well, you'll enjoy this next bit. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the match, um, Akira and TJP uh, making their celebrations with Maloney, and then all of a sudden, Clark Connors' music hits over the PA, and Clark Connors comes out with a microphone in hand and says, "I'd like to introduce you to my new tag team partner because I want to challenge for those tag team belts." and points down the aisle. So of course, Akira and TJP look down the aisle and then you, and his new tag team partner was Dan Maloney who hit them in the back of the head. Oh, that's, oh, that's great. Yeah, there you go. So Dan Maloney leaving United Empire after three weeks. Short <laughs> <laughs> uh, all around, huh? Yes. <laughs> um, joining Clark Connors in uh, Bullet Club as the new junior tag team for Bullet Club. Um, and which kind of aroused the theme of the evening, which is David Finley is recruiting a bunch of killers for Bullet Club, Dan Maloney, Driller Dan Maloney being the latest recruit. Um, and anytime anything bad happens to the United Empire, of course, I'm well happy with that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, that's great. We both got long-standing beefs with, uh, across the New Japan uh, roster, but... Uh, yeah, you know, this is not the Bullet Club of old. This is the new generation of Bullet Club. And it's it's to say that, you know, for as many conversations that we've had about, you know, Dave Finley, the fact that he's leading it and is, you know, with the jet black look and all that is, uh, you know, like I said, times are changing. Uh, but they certainly might be for the betterment when it comes to Bullet Club because it couldn't stay the way that it was. And like you said, he's recruiting killers, you know, so it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's good. This this is a new this is a new this is an evolved form of bullet club, which is probably sort of needed more. So uh, it's it's, it's, intri- it's intriguing that um, a gentleman of Irish descent founded Bullet Club, and maybe they've found their true heart now. Another gentleman of Irish descent has found this way mm. leadership. Intriguing. Nice. You might be the yeah. only one to make that full circle uh, observation. Mm, there's a lot of things. I mean, you know, there's there's a whole lot, like there's an awful lot of difference between uh, Finn Balor and sorry, well, Prince Devitt and and uh, David Finley. Um, it's but they both grew up in Alsk. They had hard taskmasters as their trainers in the UK. Uh, well, David Finley obviously 
comes from that British tradition via Atlanta and um, various the New Japan Dojo and his father and you know various different places. But obviously, um, Prince Devin Balor was a Hamelot guy. He grew up in the British tradition um, and found his place in Japan. And they both came through the dojo system and. Um, obviously, one is an Irishman and one is from Ulster, and that's that's a whole different thing. And there's all sorts of things you can play into that. But yeah, it's uh, well, Dave isn't from Ulster; he's from Atlanta, but he's his family's from Ulster. But that yeah. there's a documentary. I'm not sure if it's still on YouTube called "The Fit Finleys," and you, if you watch that documentary, you understand like Dave's grandfather, Dave Finley the first. Um, ran wrestling shows all the way through Ireland, like Belfast, Derry, Dublin, wherever. There was a ring, they had an 800-watt light bulb, they went to the town hall, they put a wrestling show on. Catholics, Protestants, in, like, literally dodging ambulances during the troubles. So, you know, it, they, they... The wrestling in Ireland is all Ireland. It's an interesting thing, and even, you know... The, the regionalization of wrestling in the UK means that there's OTT in Dublin and the other Irish promotions and there's the other Irish promotions in Belfast and, you know, it's it's more split now. Bizarrely, it's more split now because of regionalism and the way that wrestling works today than it was back in the 80s. <laughs> just because there was few wrestling promoters, but it was just entertainment. You know, that's working-class entertainment because Ireland in the 70s was not a particularly salubrious place to live and there was loads of wrestling because it's cheap working class entertainment and still is to this day but yeah. anywho i'm going yeah. off on a, on a long branch out there <laughs> no I, no that's that, that's you know i think that's some of the fans favorite parts because it's an education i certainly always enjoy it uh but it's just also cool because we always used to talk about dave in the context of him being a guy a part of a group that was led by the guy now he's leading mm. a group as the guy you know so yeah that's the thing it's uh, intriguing the way things go um speaking of bad things happening to united empire jeff cobb gets beat by zach saber jr eight minutes and 46 seconds for the new japan world television championship and cobb ran rings around saber for a long while in this match and he went for a um, tour of the islands but zach saber jr managed to turn it into a crucifix bomb and he took pinfall victory because of course, he he's did. Zach Saber Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Saber Jr. and his and your offense is his offense. Exactly, that's all you need. And Jeff Carter has still not beaten Zach Saber Jr. <laughs> in Refro, in AEW, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, in Ring of Honor. He cannot beat Zack Sabre Jr. There you go. That's, a, that's, a, that's another one that they can do death taxes and, and, and Sabre Jr. beats Cobb. There you go. Um, so that's that's for it's looking like Zack Sabre Jr. versus Orange Cassidy at um, Saloon Door. We shall see. Oh, that's going to be good. That's, that's going to be outstanding. That's that. Oh, that, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be good. IWGP Tag Team and New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Championship three way match. Because House of Torture stuck the roar in. <laughs> As they do. Evil, Yunujiro Takahashi, uh, along with United Arana Henry and Great Okan, lost to Bishimon Hiroki Kotsu Yoshihashi. As more bad things happened to United Empire. This is the greatest card in wrestling history. Um, <laughs> three in a row. This is ace. <laughs> um, Bishimon Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Um, 
it was a mess, as you can imagine, it was a mess, but it was a well put together mess. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was oh, a flowing, yeah. it was a mess. Yeah. It was as messes go, it was all right. And it was three way matches, you know how I feel about them, but it, was, it, it, it yeah. went along. Enrio Khan can't stand Goto and Yoshihashi, but they hate them less than they hate like, Takahashi and Evil. So therefore, they're just kind of like ganging up on Takahashi and Evil. <laughs> That's that's good. Yeah, I, I know these kind of mess because we, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, that the whole thing of great action, great uh, thing. You obviously you carrying little fuse here and there, but it gets to a point where it's like, okay, who's legal? Okay, all right, it's, it's gonna go with the two guys that are in the ring because everybody else is outside, been knocked down, jumped on, topeed upon. Um, but yeah, man, anytime you know, I've I've loved this this run that that Bishamon, uh has had my boy Goto and you know uh uh Yoshihashi man you know it's so great talking about him in the in the terms of success consistently and in, in terms of being a champion apart from the days where it was like man if Yoshihashi could just do better in the G1 if he could just get out of his own way and now we're having a completely different conversation so oh yeah definitely yeah so it's always good like you said um you know, United Empire continues to fall. So, it's, it, you know, it's all sunny days. Indeed. Um, not quite as sunny as we perhaps anticipated, because at the end of this match, everything went dark, and there was a graphic on the screen saying, Dogs of War, Bullet Club. And then the Dogs of War revealed to be Clark Connors and uh, Gabe Kidd of the United Kingdom and the United States of America, respectively, who are the next new members of Bullet Club and the new tag team threat from Bullet Club, who have challenged Bishimon for the NJPW Strong Openweight Championship matches, which leads me to believe that they will probably drop them to them um, on an American show because the money on the table is, of course, Bishimon versus FTR at Door, isn't it? It's going to be. So... There's another rematch there, which would be an all-time classic again. So, and they would have more time than they had at um, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. So, I have a feeling that the New Japan Strong Tag Belts might be going back to America for, for a while. But I don't know. I'm just speculating here. But yeah, so that's yeah. the the new Bullet Club Tag Team, and um, Finley goes on to get killers. Yeah, the killers and 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 you know shoot them at you know shoot them into the title picture. That's the you know young guns that like you said the killers and shoot them in the title picture. That's just you know that that keeps things interesting immediately. You know, so like you said, uh, and I'm I'm gonna head side with your logic when it comes to the titles because obviously, Richmond has had a hell of a run. But like you, like we just had to had a conversation about another Japanese company. All good things must come to an end. So we'll see how it goes. But. But, you know, the fact that we brought up Forbidden Door multiple times, clearly the fans are in for a hell of a win. Oh, for sure, definitely. Next up, Never Openweight Championship. Dave Fenley successfully defended at his first defense against El Fantasma, 18 minutes and 51 seconds. Coughlin, Connors, Maloney, Kidd and Gado accompanied Finley to show a show of power against El Fantasma. This was a little bit scrappy because I don't think Fantasma and Finley have any chemistry. Not that it was particularly bad, it was well executed, but it just didn't fit because Fantasma, um, he's been a heavyweight for every year now and he's done a G1 and he's fine. 
and Finley's fine, but they've got to have the right guys against them, and I'm not sure that these two were the right guys against them. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a perfectly good match. Went for 18 minutes. It was watchable. It was enjoyable. Told a good story, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Flair Steamboat or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it was still good, but I don't think, I just, something missing, and I'm not sure what it was. Um, but Fantasmo is trying to trying to go it by go it alone and not be associated with any groups as he tries to pick off one member of Bullet Club at a time. But he has fallen at the first hurdle, so we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. That's interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've been out of the you know the, the loop with these factions for you know a hot minute. But uh, didn't he used to be in Bullet Club? He was and was unceremoniously kicked out by Dave Finley for mucking around too much because of ah, the, the yeah. finger scraping and the, the, the two sweet in the crowd and the t-shirts and the and, yeah. and the thing. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is the problem I had watching him because I'm like this guy's extremely talented, but he has to he has to match as much stuff as he does in the ring with as much foolery. Yes, um, which just makes it aggravating to watch. So yeah, clearly clearly David is uh <laughs> leading by pure example. Oh yeah, I mean he. I mean uh, it was in a tag match, and um, Kenta and Fantasmo have been good friends. And Kenta turned on Fantasmo, and then Ishimori came down and turned on Fantasmo as well. So it was like, all right, then you really have no friends now. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah and, so that, that was that. Mean, like you say, even if the match wasn't fluid, you know the fact that Finley had five guys as backup, he was, you know, the fix was in. <laughs> Definitely. Next up was, oh lordy, this was superb. Master Wato cashes in his best of Super Juniors victory to challenge Hiromu Takahashi in his hometown of Osaka. 8.23 from the cage match users. They burned the house down. They were going for it. This was absolutely outstanding work from both men. I have been somewhat negative to Master Wato. I may have described him as a haircut in search of a wrestle on this very show. <laughs> Several hey, times. <laughs> you need to alert John or something. Uh, John Zappy that he's not hurting anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And uh, Dara, uh, we did best of Super Juniors, and Dara had to comment purely on visual appearance alone. And Dara was like, "What the hell's going on in his head?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." And it was like, and they did a build-up package video for this, and you like you look at Wata where he was two years ago, and he's got puppy fat around his cheeks, and he doesn't look confident, and he looks a bit of a mess, and the matches are scrappy, and you look at him now, and he's just gone to 19 minutes and 50 seconds with Takahashi, arguably the best junior heavyweight of his generation, possibly one of the best five junior heavyweights of all time, and went toe for toe and kept up and did not drop a thing. He was absolutely superb, and there you go. He's a made man. He's not going to be IWGP Junior Great Champion for a while, but he will get there. Absolutely will get there. Um, just everything's fallen into place for him in the last three months, and, and good luck to him. Ever since Wrestle Kingdom, he got that. Everyone was behind him. He got kind of got into a groove, and he's just not had bad matches ever since. And Roma Takashi doesn't have bad matches. Roma Takashi could have a match with a pile of bricks, and I think the pile of bricks would look yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably gonna go, uh, go try to check this out, uh, certainly because I mean, yeah, got highly rated on uh, Cage Match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Aroma was like the you know, uh, one of the, the kings of the junior heavyweights. So uh, I could have a match with a broom and steal the show. Uh, got so much personality and style, but it's just good to hear that about that this positive report card on Master Wato because, like I said last time, we 
But like I was on the show where we talked about him, it was like he had a job to do and he had a bag full of all the wrong tools and he was just throwing them at the wall hoping it's something. Mm. That is, that is the best analogy you could have, just like the wrong tools for that character and just pulling him out at the wrong time against the wrong guys. Yeah, to, to yeah. the point where like he was hurting himself, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, he was he was his own worst enemy for the first two years of his comeback, I think. Yeah, so it's it's good that you know he had that that level of showing against somebody like Hiromu, who was you know legendary certainly in in, in a division. So um, that's that's good, man. Uh, it's only you can only get better. That that's what you know. You, I think you call that a successful loss, you know, because that's you know building <laughs> block, you know, because you you know it's it's not too many people at this point that can beat Hiromu's, particularly on you know in some like a Dominion stage. Dominion is one of the biggest shows. Um, and uh, Roma was not somebody you can easily knock off. You know, he's been through, he's battle-tested more than most. So um, um, it's, it's good to get that report on Master Watson. We'll see what he uh, what he does from there. Okay. The next up was the Never Openweight Six-Man Championships. Now, Marcus, you may be surprised to hear the Never Openweight Six-Man Championships were in the semifinal on this particular card. Do you know who the current um, Never Openweight Six-Man Champions are, Mark? Looking at <laughs> that, now, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a team. Kazuchika Okada, uh, Tamahiro Ishii, and Hiroshi Tanahashi um, go up against the Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, and their mate Shota Umino. Oh my word! <laughs> the, the New Japan Pillars versus the Blackpool uh, Combat Club. Oh, this was stiff. Ishii and Castagnoli, it's amazing no one lost any teeth. Real, I mean, Castagnoli wears a gum shield and it's a good too, because Ishii was blocking off his block off. And Umino, Umino and Okada, Umino wants to, uh, wants to consider a career change, the way Okada was laying into him. It's like, Oh yeah, my I, god. Yeah, I saw something on I saw something on Twitter and I'm surprised it didn't come from you somebody like Okada's back on his bully mode. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, it was just like Chris Charlton says, Well, we're now in the fuck them kids Okada era, and that's exactly what it is. Oh um, man. came to play and was like, been winding you up for weeks, and Okada Okada's up to here with Kitamia from Noah for a start. He's had enough. <laughs> it's 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 crazy because as much as I dislike the guy, like I almost wish he could he could uh um you know uh basically uh pass down his saying Okada at this point of uh talking about Bullet Ray, but do you know who I am? Because that's basically <laughs> what Okada's been doing. Like all these young guys are coming and playing with this guy like he's just happy go look like this isn't the Okada that's you know coming out with the balloon anymore. Oh, no, 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 way no. past that. <laughs> oh, no, we, we are back at chaos in 2013, knocking heads, defenders of strong style. We will own you. We are the greatest faction in professional wrestling. And we brought our mate Tanner along to come kick your head in two. You know, this was just, this was 20 minutes and 38 seconds. This is just outstanding stuff. This is, this is pro wrestling. This is what you come to see. That's what it says on the card. I mean, it makes Umino because Umino got his head kicked in, but it's like, get you next time. That's the whole story. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, not not the crap on uh, uh, Claudio or, or, or the years he spent there, but it feels like he waited his whole WWE career to do what he's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is it. And it's like, 
Umino, like, and this is just perfection. Okada had Umino bound to rights. Rainmaker pose, Umino's in a daze, and he doesn't even try the Rainmaker, he sticks on Money Clip. Because you're not worth it. I don't need it, I'm not going to, I'm not giving you the satisfaction of going to use my finisher on you. What, what he put him in a clutch? I mean, uh, yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. And he had one. Eventually, he had to. And that's like a step up, a little notch, a little bit of respect for him, just a tiny sliver. And he just knocked his block off with it. And then just stared at Red Shoes. Umino's father, as he counted three. Like, Between his hard knock lessons with Moxley and now running to Okada, that kick needs a year off. Oh, yeah. This is all just just insane and then of course we've had the g1 announcement and who's announced for the g1 kitty okimia who can't stand a card or card can't stand him they're already wrestling again uh, uh, together again that happened yesterday i haven't watched that card yet me and john are going to look at it next week and but i do know the promo from kiyomiya was i'm coming to the g1 and i'm coming after you <laughs> <laughs> So this this Okada is going back and in deep into the world to all the lessons that Shinsuke Nakamura taught him. Um, we're going to own the show, and this is the most interesting Okada has been in months. And then, on top of that, at the end of the match, when Backcourt Combat Club lose, Moxley grabs a microphone and says, someone said that you three are the best wrestlers in the world. I know the best wrestler in the world because we trained with him, and he's got a message for you. And the screen lights up, and it's Brian Danielson. <laughs> and Danielson's promo is I've waited a very long time to wrestle with you you're the rainmaker you come to Forbidden Door and I'm taking you to the fucking desert <laughs> just like oh my god <laughs> okay we, we, we might have to clip that 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 laugh that reaction that you just gave because it perfectly sums up yeah, <laughs> it's the matches that's on Forbidden Door. Like it's just like don't like I don't want to hear anything. Sorry, fans listening that that might American fan listen. I don't I don't care anything about Punk. I don't care. Glad no, he's back. No, all that yeah, stuff. nice. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever. This is gonna be. I'm gonna get my bucket of ice and the ice is hot. <laughs> no one's coming. Like again, and Brian's another one. Phenomenal. You know, up and down, fantastical ride in WWE feels like he waited that whole time to get here. Yeah. He's in a completely different zone, completely different level. If this was only a taste of what he was doing in Ring of Honor, but with like a redefined attitude, because I kind of missed that period. Like this has just been brilliant. The fact that he was done for a, a certain time in wrestling with a potential injury, and now he's doing probably some of the best work um, in, in the terms of character and the in-ring. It's it's just it's completely it's it's brilliant and brilliant and uh, the fact that you know the Black Combat uh, Club is is providing so many different avenues of stuff um, even without Regal at this point uh, the fact that they're still going from momentum to momentum is just is brilliant. Oh, Mox is back in Tokyo this week. Do you know why? Because El Desperado went to death match to, to the death match tournament at GCW in um, uh, a tournament of survival. Um, and me and Anna are going to talk about that later on this show. And uh, after the match, he uh, he had he wrestled John Moxley on the cage of survival the following night. Not John Moxley, he wrestled um, Joey Janela in a death match the following night. And with blood pouring from his mask, he requested a match with John Moxley at Curricken Hall this week 
I'm not yeah. sound in town. Let's do it. It's weird. It's like the all three of them are no longer over, you know, over in Connecticut or whatever. And it's like they've unlocked their truest forms, like on a video <laughs> game or something. Like you made it. You got all the points added up, all the you, you know, you got all your tickets and now you've unlocked the real Claudio, the real John. Like this is this is what, you know, Mox has always been and now that he's got these submissions in his game, it's just he's on a different level too. You know, he's got that brawler style, he has no no cares or whistle about himself doing these crazy outlandish matches. Like Renee's got to be a trooper, man. Cause <laughs> he puts himself in the level of exhaustion he has to have. Um, and just the sheer amount of terror that he has to enact in terms of like, like this guy's not gonna stop. But it's, again, this is this is like the purest form of what he loves to do, um, and the freedom that he has to do it with the opponents that he you know wants to do it against that he would have never had the shot to do it. So this is uh this is a unique time right now that we're watching this stuff. Oh, definitely. I've got I've got to see. I mean, I don't tend to watch the Road Two shows from New Japan Pro Wrestling because there's just so many of them. But John Moxley versus Desperate El Desperado in Curricon Hall. You that that's wrestling, man. That's what you come to see. That's that's the thing. <laughs> this is it. This is like two guys having a wrestling match because they want to have a wrestling match. Or uh, two of the best in the world at what they do. That's what I want to see. And if Uncle Tony and um Gado can get their heads together and do more of that stuff, I'll be well happy. <sighs> Anyway, this is an exhausting card, as you can tell. Let's get to the main event. <laughs> Sonata uh, successfully defends his IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against the returning Yotosuji. Last time you saw Yotosuji, he would have had a match with Tetsuya Nado. Again, at Kurokurikan Hall, which was his farewell match before he got sent off to a ref pro on excursion. Now, here's the thing. I always thought Yotosuji was good as a young boy. And then I saw him wrestle against... I think it was Chase Owens or somebody. I can't remember who it was because he stole the show. It was at the New Japan card in October when I was in London at, at Crystal Palace. And he stole the show. Like the only thing that really stood out to me from that entire show, as much as it was, hey, it's my first New Japan show, but the actual match content, watching him wrestle and just blow people away. Because I'd not, I don't watch Repro on a regular basis. And they were just like, Here's this guy who's six foot six, former football player, doing topic on helos um, and twisting pescados over the top rope to the floor and just demolishing people. And it's like, he's going to be something else. And he comes back to New Japan and he comes out at the end of the match where Sonata successfully defended, made his first defense against Roma Takahashi and announced himself as a member of LIJ. Um, Lij were like, hey, what? <laughs> um, and then they they accepted into the fold at the press conference for the championship match, and they accompanied him to ringside because basically, because since Sonada left Lij to join uh, just five guys, um, NATO has gone. You know what? Maybe we should like talk to each other and be supportive of each other, and then we might stop losing our friends to other factions. Which arguably he probably could have thought of about four years ago. Um, but yeah, um, and then Yotasuji comes to this match and he had them rocking and rolling. They will, this was, I didn't think Sonata was going to drop the belt on his first reign at the second defense, but by gum, <laughs> Suji nearly made me believer. He really did. He was exceptionally good. 8.3 from the cage match users. 
Um, so yeah, it's probably a bit cold for you to say anything about it because there's you don't have not seen Yotsuji wrestle in about three years, I'm guessing. Yeah, but it, it's it's good to hear because we we you know we've been a, a part of the the, the, the exasperating journey of Sonata finally getting to this point. So I can appreciate the fact that he is, you know, you know, already running into a situation where he could potentially drop the title because, you know, it's harder, you know, as hard as it is getting there, it's even harder staying, you know, at the top. So um even even with his own, you know, faction now. So it's uh it's it's good. And of course it, it continues with him being against uh his his old faction. Um which I think is great because when he initially broke out, I remember that, you know, looking at a promo that Naito was like, if you don't think you, if you didn't, if you couldn't be the man when you was with us, <laughs> why do you think you could be the man over there? And then, you know, he got the title. So now it's just about, I guess, proving it in a way. And maybe it's a long, uh, form of story. Cause you know, New Japan has been good with that, uh, throughout the years. Or maybe it's a long thing about getting him back to a situation where he has to, be Naito to really prove whether or not you know uh, he's the guy and that that decision that he made was the right one. So we'll see how that goes. Because Naito, as long as he's been gone, is never never out of the title picture too too long. So specifically in this situation where you know Sonata was like piss off, I'm going over here, <laughs> finally get to the mountaintop. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think, I think that's the thing is g1 climax nato has to win is he ever going to get back to the tokyo and that's the story you know and um yeah just phenomenal um i'm sure that we'll talk long and deep about g1 climax which doesn't start for another month or so um we're on the row two shows as it was i will see if i can find the entrance for you we can discuss them because oh there were some big names and there was a lot of oh <laughs> going on so I will give you the names and you can give me your reaction. Kazuchika Okada. Well, yeah, obviously. Stable. Yeah, Te stable. Tetsuya Nato. Yeah, again. Stable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sonata, you would hope, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. I'm not bothering. <laughs> You're okay. Uh, will Ospreay, again, you, you, would, you would think he would be in it, want to be in it. Hiroshi Tanahashi, David Finley. No one's particularly shocking so far. Shota Umino. Yeah. Um, which is he's going to be his first G1. That's not a shock because obviously he's kind of got the rocket on him. Shingo Takagi, uh, Tomohiro Ishii. I thought he was done, I'll be honest. After last year's performance, when he didn't get many points, I thought this is it. I mean, he was still having the cork in matches, but he wasn't like you know, he was clearly been kind of set to as you done, I kind of thought, but apparently not. So he's back this year. Tama Tonga, Tangaloa, and Hikaleo of uh, Gorillas of Destiny. They're all in. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know me. I'm always pulling for the for the, uh, the Gorillas, uh, particularly my boy Tama. Uh, but, you know, it, we could potentially see Hikaleo pull out more points than his little bro, so we'll know. Mm. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Tariano of Chaos. Thankfully, we can't have a G1 without Tariano. It's like having Christmas without Turkey. <laughs> yeah. Says me, who never has turkey, but there you go. <laughs> Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr. and Dai Chi. It's only right, I guess. Indeed. Um, the, well, yeah, the current NGPW Strong Champion in Kenta and the Defy Wrestling Champion. He won the Defy Championship last weekend. Current New Japan TV Champion, Zack Sabre Jr. and current King of Pro Wrestling Champion, Tai Chi. 
Eddie Kingston. Hey, man. Hell of, hell of a time for that guy as well. He's living <laughs> his best life getting to fight the, le- you know, legends. And, you know, we already know he's ace on the mic. But uh, he almost, you know, that almost feels like the place he's supposed to be in a lot of ways uh, in, in, in New Japan. So uh, it's, it's going to be great seeing what he does in the G1. Yonakiyama was wearing his Eddie Kingston t-shirt and saying he's pulling for him in the G1 this year. And I thought it was the coolest thing. How cool is Eddie Kingston that Yonakiyama supports him? He's a fan of him. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. El Fantasma, Ren Narita, and Evil, as you would expect, kind of. Uh, yeah. Big mid-card names. Chase Owens is back. Jeff Cobb, Great Okan. Jeff Cobb makes sense. I'm not that big a fan of Okan, but I guess you need, you know, you got you got to have some of those bigger men to fill it out if if we don't see uh, Fale in it, which I would imagine. Jeff Fale is not in it this year, um, which is unusual, but he's spending a lot of time in the New Zealand dojo, from what I understand, and that's the reason why it's keeping him from business in New Japan, which is understandable. It's also getting, I mean, John watched him as a rookie um, and the original Together show like 14 years ago, and it was amazing how slim he was back then compared to where he is now. Um, yeah. And he dropped a lot of weight in, like, in the last two years to kind of get him back to match fitness, so we'll see. Uh, Aaron Henry, obviously also of United Empire, you expected Okan's going to be there. Henry won't be far behind. Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin of Bullet Club, which I thought was intriguing because this will be their first G1 climax. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, with this growing elevation um, and, 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 you know, friendly, you know, these guys, you kind of got to, you know, you got to have a Bullet Club presence. With this, this particular uh, instance of Bullet Club in there to kind of... Uh, that out. Yeah, and no Yujiro Takahashi this year, interestingly. He has kind of been edged out of the, the picture because of that, I guess. And Yujiro's done, done, done his time. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's done, he's done something like 16 of the last 20. He's, he's all right. We don't have to see him again, bless his cotton socks. Um, though back in the day, quite the wrestler. Seriously, if you want to go back and watch some interesting stuff, his tag team with Tetsuya Nato, No Limit, was the first tag team to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight and Heavyweight Championships before the Young Bucks did it. There you go. Um, Shane Haste and Mad Mikey Nichols at TMDK. Interesting to see them in singles wrestling for a while. Yeah, those are, um, this this version of uh, TMDK has been impressive. They uh, they rolled through Impact and uh, they look really good. Um, Still one of the best tag team names in wrestling to me, um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Seeing. I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna uh, be impressive because uh, they they you know they kind of split them up and had a couple singles matches and uh, particularly uh, who am I thinking about? Is it Thorn I'm thinking about? Shane Hayes. Shane Hayes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shane he was Thorn, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, very 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 impressive. Shane Hay- yeah. Shane Hayes was. Is Shane Thorne is yes, Jane is yeah, Shane Thorne was Shane Hayes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is now again Shane Hayes. Um Yotasuji um of Los Angeles and Arbus de Hapon um is obviously making his debut in the G1 climax. It'd be it'd be interesting to see where he lands. But it's gotta be four groups, so there's plenty of chance for him and NATO to both do really well. And Shingo as well, obviously. So they could, you could split up the LIJ guys and everyone could have a good run. 
Um, so, and um, you're the guest from Noah, uh, making his debut in the G1 Climax, though it will probably, the N1 Climax, the N1 tournament, which is Noah's equivalent tournament, kind of runs not concurrently, but the last week of the G1 is the first week of the N1. And obviously, or the one finishes and the one starts. I don't think he and me could do both unless he's superhuman, because good lord. Um, so this is probably going to be his one big tournament of the year. Kiyomiya, Kato Kiyomiya, is going to be in the G1 Climax. So that is going to be absolutely intriguing to see where he finishes. And I guess it's going to be inevitable that he's going to be in the same block as Okada. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but yeah, um, got to see that again. Because that story with Kiyomiya and Okada is one of the best stories in pro wrestling has been for the last year. They just don't like one another. And that's just amazing. You know, it, it went back from um, Wrestle Kingdom in Yokohama in 2022 um, to the rematch in 2023 and onward. And they can tell that story for another three or four years until Kiyomiya is back on top in nowhere, I guess. And then a card goes and challenges for the global on the crown, and that'd be amazing. <laughs> but we'll see. Well, thank you very much for your time, sir. No, I, I enjoyed this. This uh, Dominion chat got uh, got got thoroughly, uh, you know, in depth. Quick catch up on the on the uh, brand in general, and uh, got something to look forward to with the G one and and some stuff to go back to and watch on the show and uh, Dominion show in general. So. Yes, indeed. Where can we find you on the internet? Oh, uh, yes. You can find me on what's left of Twitter <laughs> these days. Uh, at Paradox Kid. That's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. Always down in chat. Yeah, you can... Uh, well, we'll we'll do my rundown after the short break. Um, we're going to talk to Anna about uh, Tournament of Survival and, of course... Um, oh, yeah, TJPW, which was um, the... Oh, which was Inspiration number six as well as Tournament of Survival and Cage of Survival from GCW, which happened last weekend. Speak to you soon. Hello, welcome back to the Troopany Show. We had a long discussion about both the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion and Glate um, version X thingy, the one with the UWF Championship in it, which was really good. Um, we're doing a bit of a time shift because we've started on a show that last last did start this week, and now we're going to do a show that was at the beginning of June, and then we're going to do a show that was last weekend, um, but and Dominion was last weekend. Dominion and this show were concurrent. It's all a bit of a thing. But to join me is Anna. How are you doing, Anna? I am well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. You join us this week on the joyous day that Boris Johnson resigned in disgrace from Parliament. So that makes me very happy. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't, can't go. And Nadine Dorries as well. Um, just an outstanding parliamentarian who was made culture secretary. Why? Basically because she was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Please. <laughs> and brilliantly, in her first major action, decided to privatise Channel 4 and in a hearing in front of a nationally televised audience said, now... Channel 4 is publicly funded, and the leader, the, the, the chief executive of Channel 4 went, no, it's not, it's privately funded. And she went, oh. 
So there you go. Um, so that should, yeah. So these are good days. However, we have got wrestling to talk about. And as we discussed with Marcus, these are good days for wrestling too, aren't they? Um, and we're going to go take a trip down the bullet train line to Shigaba First Ring, the last stop on Tokyo's bullet train, um, in front of an audience of 234 people, which is a big shout for Shinkaba First Ring, because it's tiny, for a show called DJPW Inspiration Number no. 6, which took place on the 1st of May, so over a month ago. But it, we took us a while to get to it, but we wanted to discuss this uh, for a while, because it involved the debut, the deathmatch debut, of one Hikaru Noah um, of your TJPW. Um, but we watched the whole show. So Himawara defeated Toga in seven minutes and three seconds, which was a kind of nice young girls match. What did you think of this one? Well, yeah, I mean, I enjoy Himawari a lot. Like, I think she's adorable and, and she's fun. She is one of those ones that I'm kind of watching to see, like, if she sticks with wrestling, like, I really think if with the even more training, she'd be even better. But uh, headlock, shoulder tackles, running the ropes. It was a true rookies match. And uh, uh, Himawari looked like a little baby face, even though she was more experienced than the other wrestler, which is, is good to see and stuff like that because she's very, like, easy to root for. And she's just, as I said, she's so stinking cute. But, yeah, it was just a fun little match to open the show. Yeah. It, it's the, the kind of rookies junior match that's been going on since the late 60s that is full of energy and happiness. And, you know, you're waiting for one of them to turn into a miserable old person that beats the living snot out of people. Which inevitably <laughs> they will do. <laughs> but for now, they can be happy. They can be smiling. And, um, yeah. Uh, the next match was Daisy Monkey, Arisi Endo, and Susan May. They defeated Keio Toro, Bami, and Mocha Miyamoto in 13 minutes and 11 seconds. This was pretty good, actually. This was a, a good tag team match. None of these matches are kind of like within the storyline of TJPW. They're just kind of matches to get you to the end because they have to have five matches on a card. Otherwise, it's not a card, is it? It's just a match. And no one wants to go see one match. They want to go see the whole card. So it's just kind of a house show, I guess, is really what it was. But this was a fun little tag team match. What's your thoughts on this one? Well, yeah, I mean, I love Mocha's look, first of all. I love, like, the traditional Japanese kind of, like, warrior mm. look. And especially with how, like, dominant she got to look in the match, which I think was fun for her. Like, she uh, was really throwing, like, uh, Suzume around a lot in the match, which uh, Suzume, I mean... This was like a showcase for her. She was popping off. I, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, this is the thing. This is the kind of like... Shinkawa First Ring crowd are probably even more knowledgeable than the Kurukan Hall crowd in the sense of that there's not many of them. And they see everything. Because this is the show... This is where all the small indies go to. Some of the bigger companies like Stardom run their tag team tournament matches here because they've got to hold them somewhere and they're maybe not enough to fill Kurukan every day when you're running a tag team tournament. So this is, you know, this is the place we, this is the place where she and Melissa once stayed for three months while she was on tour of Joshi Promotions in Japan because there's just enough room for you to sleep in the kitchen. It's, it's, it's one of those places. And so therefore, the wrestlers go out of the way to give those fans who are the ones that are going to spend the money on them a really good show. And this was a good example of that, I think. Right. Then we move sure. on to everyone except Marcus's favourite old man, 
<laughs> Gabe Chinchan, <laughs> as he took on Mehiro Kiru in a um, singles match, a mixed gender singles match. Uh, Kiru couldn't stop laughing to start with, which is always a good start. <laughs> and this was about as far away from a light tube death match, which was the main event, as you could possibly imagine. Um, last time we saw Gabai Chichan, he was on um, a, a Glade show wrestling Seema, and Marcus was. Who's that thing? Nothing's best. Why is this guy pretending to be an old man? Uh, John loves him. So I'm interesting to see the rubber opinion. What are your thoughts on Gabby Jinchan is? Oh, ah, you know I loved it. You know I loved it. <laughs> like, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry. So I'm recovering from a cold right now. I'm from oh, where those wildfires yes. were happening in Canada. So I'm <laughs> Anyways. I thought it was a great appetizer before a light tube death match. I thought it was hilarious. Like when I noticed that it was an old man lucha mask, I was <laughs> in my room, and uh, I was just like, I was writing my notes as if like this was like a five star classic. I was like, tripped with the cane, a veteran's move, and stuff like that. Cane on the ropes to break the pin, another veteran's move. <laughs> But, uh, oh, I thought it was hilarious. I thought yeah, it was so uh, much fun. I mean, Kiru's a, a long-standing veteran of the company who kind of specializes in character work and comedy wrestling, which is ideal for Gabby Jin-chan. Um, I've seen him wrestle lots of women's matches down the years because, you know, he's just, he's brilliant. Like, entertainment, he's, it's what wrestling's about, you know. This is, this is the thing. It's like wrestling is such a great, great thing because... You get to see. Uh, I've just been watching all together, so you get to see Zack Saber Jr. and Chris Ridgway absolutely leather one another, like it's Bolton in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to see Gabby Jinchan and Mahiro Kiru end up being a perfectly fine little comedy match that sent everyone home happy. If they were going home, they were staying for the main event, obviously. But um, you know, this 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 could have made event this particular show, and everyone would have been quite happy with that. I think, to be honest with you, but it's not a main event level thing. Funnily enough, the cage match users thought this was better than the main event, which I think is unfair given the effort that the people in the main event put in. But there you go. Shall we get to said main event? Okay, so Hikari Noah, yes. having her first full wrestling light tube death match, uh, went up against Soya Rec. It went for eleven minutes and one seconds. And I'll be honest, Soya Rec is indeed a wrecking ball of a wrestler. We've talked about her before on the Troopany show. I like her a lot. She has an incredible presence as a professional wrestler. She's big. She's rangy. I think is the JR would call her rangy. I'm I'm like I'm hoping she gets like a she's going to get a one shot on AEW at some point. I'm just imagining JR trying to commentate on her because he'll love her to death. <laughs> um, so that'll be hilarious when it happens. It's a big, powerful a big woman who's like 12 feet tall and has arms and legs and just hits people really hard. It's like Steve Williams, but female. Um, yeah, um, I think oh, yeah, JR's going to like be amazed by her. But yeah, Soyarek um, versus Akira Noe. Noe no, the story of the match was obviously Noe is growing as a deathmatch wrestler. 
And she gave it her all in this match. She was really trying very hard to impress. So yeah, as you can imagine, dominated the opening early going of this particular match. But Noah by no means took a kicking. She put a lot of effort in, had a big comeback. Um, and this was really good. I really enjoyed it. And it told a nice story. And at the end of the match, Sawyer thanked Noah and TJPW for inviting her over to do this show and to be the honour of Noah's first um, fluorescent light bulbs death match. Um, but it was a lot of fun, this match, and there was a lot of weapons, as you'd imagine. Um, some less safe than others, but what did you think of this one, Anna? Yeah, I think Kari Noah did great. Like, if this was her first, like, real death match, I'm not sure she's been through the Tupperware containers a few times in, in DDT and TJPW, but uh, making the commitment and getting yourself into a light tube deathmatch takes some absolute balls. To So, like, that always impresses me when people, like, they're wrestling for a while and then they choose to do deathmatch and, and things like that. There's a lot of wrestlers that are like that. It's like, and when they do deathmatch, they are like incredible at it or they look like they obviously very much enjoy it. And I could get that vibe from like, Noah. I, I could see like her doing more of these in the future. Maybe uh, whenever some of the American guys come over to Japan, I mean, she wouldn't be on the GCW shows, but like maybe one guy could pop over to TJPW or DDT or something and have a little death match with her. But uh, I loved Sawyer's shirt. It was a Dream Eater shirt. So rest in peace, Marcus Crane. Um, I thought the jewel case CDs were hilarious. It looks like there was a pen in the box too. So if they were signing and selling those after the show, like good move. And uh, poor Noah. She was, as I mentioned, she was putting in her all. But the DVD into the chair contraption nice. on the outside of the ring, like that took more. Or like, yeah, just balls to do that than to just even run into the ropes yeah, full of light tubes. Like, <laughs> um, I think that, that, that is the thing with modern like deathmatch wrestling. One thing that puts me off is contrivance, and nothing like felt contrived in this particular match. We're going to talk about tournament of survival, and there was plenty of stuff that I was like, yeah. <laughs> This is contrived, all right? You know, the most contrived thing I ever saw in a deathmatch was a BGW match where literally one of the teams started laying bricks out. Like, putting bricks in the middle wing to power on somebody onto the bricks, and I'm like, it, they, they, were, they were carefully setting them up, and it took them, like, five minutes to do it. And it was like, and his teammates were holding, two of his teammates were holding down the three other people so that he could lay bricks, and I'm like, oh my god, this is taking forever. Um, so yes, yeah, so none of that happened in this match. It was all, it was nicely put together. It was well plotted out, good story well told, I thought, in this particular match. Um, just to go back through Noah's career, she has not had any death matches. She's had two hardcore matches, but no death matches. Um, yeah, so yeah, this was absolutely her first actual death, ma death match. Uh, two was, uh, two hardcore matches. One was against Nao Kakuta. Actually, in first ring on TJPW Inspiration 3. That was uh, last December, uh, no, December 2021. And she also um, had one against, what was the other one? I saw it here a second ago. 
she's only got four pages of career on Cage Match, so it's easy to find out for her. <laughs> uh, where is she? She's had like a couple of called false count anywhere matches, but they are particularly stiff things in TJPW, as I've seen them. Um, I'm trying to think who the other one was against. The other one was against Rini Master. Funnily enough, uh, Inspiration won at Shinkawa First Ring. That was a hardcore match against Rini Master. So, yeah, she's had two. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, but a good first showing, I think. We're agreed there, aren't we? Uh, what do you think of Sawyer's Rex performance in TJPW? Because obviously, TJPW is obviously has a very close working relationship with DDT. DDT has a close working relationship with GCW. Um, so there's a lot of crossover possible there, I think, uh, for her to come back. Do you think she's done enough with this match to kind of give herself a bit more of a an opportunity to be in uh, TJPW more often because they do like they do like a monster gauge in a two. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, like she, the fact that she is like really tall and like a gaijin and stuff and all that stuff. Like she definitely fits in with like TJPW, and the fact that like I'm not. I think she's heading over to Japan again with gcw so maybe she could get back in with uh, the ddt tjpw uh well she did challenge for the princess maybe the princess she'll be on a freedom at, show Who uh knows? hall on the 5th of may so like four days later gets mizuki and she also wrestled Noko Minimoto at shinagawa princess hotel club x for tjpw as well um obviously spent most of her time in gcw matches that's the majority of the matches are um, and obviously we've talked a lot about her matches there, so yeah, um, but yeah, we'll see what see what comes of that for her. Hopefully she is back in Japan, because that's the life of a wrestler. You need to get paid, and as many gigs as possible. But let's just move on to Game Changer Wrestling, and we're going to yes. look at Tournament of Survival 8. Um, now, our original idea of this was to kind of like showcase Ladies in Deathmatch Wrestling. Um, over the month um but you can't really tell the story of this particular show without looking at the entire tournament because well for a couple of reasons dave frazak and beta scott were commentary so there's one woman for a start <laughs> um and there weren't that many matches that didn't involve women to be honest with you so we should probably talk about them first get them out of the road because there was a lot of like men doing stuff and there was things so let's have a talk about that the show opened with uh, Nick Gage and Danzig. I don't know what happened there. They kind of had a fight for no apparent reason. Nick Gage just said trans rights and wanted to punch Zandig in the head. Yeah, because Danzig's not a particularly politically nice person. But there you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, this was from the Atlantic City, New Jersey, the Showbo Hotel, Atlantic, a city, no numbers, but it seemed pretty full. Uh, the opening match was Cyclope versus Green Phantom and Miedo Extremo, 8 minutes and 26 seconds with Cyclope taking this particular win, and the contrived stuff that does Maiden was in this match, and plenty of it. There's an awful lot of Cyclope's moves involve him 
getting his opponent to hold light tubes to his chest so he can take a run at him and hit him. Which to me is like, eh? And therefore, Cyclope winning this was like, eh? <laughs> so I'm not saying that this match wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. In my personal estimation, Anna, you may have a different <laughs> opinion than me, but this was not my favourite. Oh, well, the table on the door, <laughs> I, I could feel your pain from across the water. <laughs> But uh, I was, of course, going for Green Phantom because of uh, national pride. And uh, I'm loving that Canadians are getting more attention, like, in wrestling. Because we have a good scene up here. Like, we, we need more wrestlers to, like, either come up here or our wrestlers to get booked down there. Because, like, we, we, have, a, we have something cooking up here. That's for sure. But uh, Tony Ox Pro Skater Ultraviolence, you know I love using the skateboard <laughs> to just cause some havoc in a wrestling match. As contrived as it is, it pops me three times because I think it's hilarious. But I mean, I like the story of Los Macisos, like having the tag team, like they have like the tag team relationship and stuff like that. And having the story of, uh, I think it was Ciclope winning a tournament of survival and, and beating Vieto Extremo in the first round. Like, so there was also that backstory as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I also agree with, like, Cyclope, like, doing the running knees into people with light tubes and stuff like that. It's just like, come on, guy. Like, set them up. Maybe set them up in the no, corner or something like, and have the light tubes, like, leaning on them. But not having to hold them every time. <laughs> just put them down and go somewhere else. The idea here is not, yeah. not, <laughs> not getting hit in the head with a light bulb. Light tube is the idea is to yeah. win. So, you know, that's just, just, just like, oh, oh God. Because there's plenty of that, and this is, this is the thing. I, I don't dislike Deathmatch Wrestling. I think Deathmatch Wrestling, when it's done well, is some of the best wrestling there is. But you have to have the right guys and the right thing. And, you know, long-standing members of the Troop and Show audience will know my of multi-person matches <laughs> so having four was trying to for my patience as it was and out on top of that sequel pay doing things like that and it was just like uh, I don't want to complain because they obviously all put a ton of effort you know and obviously the fans in there didn't care they loved it so I'm, I'm wrong and that's that's the general arbiter of it I'm just wrong but that, that's personal taste so and I'm my show, although my personal taste, I suppose, but equally, what can you do? So, yeah, I mean, it was fine, but not fine. Less of that, please. More of the other stuff. That was good. Shall we move on? I'm, ram I'm rambling now. <laughs> Tori Segura defeated Joey Janela yes. and Tommy Hirate 11 minutes and 57 seconds. See, this, this <laughs> one I really liked because it was a wrestling match. And there was some violence in it, as opposed to the first one, which was just violence that turned into a wrestling match. What's that old saying? I once went to a game of ice. I went to, went to a fight, and game of ice hockey broke out. This was like that. <laughs> this was a. But the, that was the first one. The second one was like a wrestling match, and people mm -hmm. used weapons and stuff. But it was part of the wrestling match. And that's what I enjoyed about this one. 
So this was my favourite of the three from a pure four from opening round matches from a pure wrestling point of view. And I've seen Sugiara and Janela and Hirata before, and I like all three of them. Um, well, yeah, this one this one kind of flowed a lot better for me. So this was my fave. Um, and you know, the story was Sugiara outlasting Janela and Hirata with sweet science rather than violence, and that was good. Eleven minutes fifty-seven seconds. What's your thoughts on this one? Huh? I, yeah, I mean, it was, I liked it. It was just a fine wrestling match with violence in it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't liked it, which uh, I am a huge fan of. Huge fan of. <laughs> but uh, I like the DVD on the apron because, uh, especially during this match, because it, at the same time, it was the hardest and sharpest part of the ring because it had a bunch of glass on it. <laughs> And uh, I, I like the uh, the cameraman putting in his little bit of effort to handing off somebody a chair. I'm just like, yeah, true worker. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> but I made a joke. I was just like, I guess it's Japanese yeah. legend Joey Janela. <laughs> but uh, the barbed wire of thorns, like crown situation, is also like one of my favorite looks in in deathmatch. And like. The photos <laughs> that were taken of Joey Janela after, like, if I it's, speak, yeah, I will yeah. go to jail. For those of you, like, <laughs> my two years, they're very well done. Goes back to ECW in I want to say '95, where the Raven crucified Sandman, um, which even the ECW fans were like, "Oh, that's a bit much." <laughs> um, and in that audience was a young Kurt Angle who was negotiating <laughs> to debut for ECW and he walked off because he saw that that crucifixion annual and went to work for WWF instead. There you go. So, you know, crown of thorns. There's, a, there's the right moment for it. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, and it, again, it was... It was the Freedoms guys, Sugiara and Hirata, who uh, were the standouts. But there was some foreshadowing to come later in the show. Dun, dun, dun. Anywho, next up, John Wayne Murdoch defeated El Desperado and Matt Tremont. 11 minutes and 30 seconds. This was really good. This was just... I mean, you'd expect it with Tremont and Murdoch because they are deathmatch specialists and El Desperado maybe the best worker in the world right now who happens to like doing deathmatches on his weekend off. <laughs> you just finished. Wait, what did you do? I've just finished Best of the Super Juniors. I wrestled this ridiculous schedule for two oh, yeah. weeks where I had 20 minute matches with some of the best junior heavyweights in the world. Let's fly to another continent and wrestle in a deathmatch tournament. Because why not? And I'll wrestle Joey Janela on the next night as well, just to make sure. And to just really wrap the whole thing up, I'm going to challenge John Moxley to a deathmatch in Korea. Well, challenge John Moxley. Uh, to a match at Currican Hall, and Mox is going to say yes. Which is quite the fortnight, really, isn't it? <laughs> Deathmatch wrestling, just like, once the wrestler gets the bug, like, they well, want to keep doing it. I don't know what it is about getting fucked up by them like to, but... show four years ago. And Kasai broke his jaw. Um, and that put him out. And basically, the, his comeback was best of Super Juniors 21. Oh. 
where he had that incredible run and got to the final with Romu and they tore the house down and suddenly he was a thing. And then he became IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion the following year. And he's been on a roll ever since. And now he's in this weird spot where he's still a junior heavyweight and he's still, like, the most capable guy in the division. Him and Aroma kind of another division between them. But what he can go and do, he, he, he's been tagging Minoru Suzuki and Renderita, and they're amazing, and they're really popular, and, and you can just go do what he wants now. He's reached the point where he's just, ah, oh, I want to wrestle John Moxley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, Tremont and Murdoch are outstanding, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I'm, I'm a New Japan guy, so I'm going to pull for Desperado. But, um, yeah, this was really, really cool to watch. What did you think of this one? Well, I was rooting for John Wayne Murdoch until uh, Matt Tremont came out with the Dolly Parton shirt, and then I uh, very much switched who I was going for after that. <laughs> but uh, uh, Dusty, he, he like did, lifting Matt really Tremont well was like, Japan, oh, they have a bodybuilding oh, contest in the gym. The like, look at you go! And he like finished like, the top five. He's ripped. Yeah. For sure. But uh, yeah, no, like uh, Despy just seems like really alive when he's working these American shows. I don't know what it is. Like, he just seems like more refreshed. It's like he's on like Rumspringa, like a nice little Amish boy or something. But uh, yeah, no, I think he has a lot of fun like working these American shows and uh, doing these death yeah, matches and go. stuff like that. So, Next up was the final uh, of the but, yeah, finals. Deep Step the Story um, Through the Glass on round two. <laughs> Essentially guaranteeing a female wrestler in the next round, which was a nice way of going about it. Uh, Ren Yumeshta, the current GCW Deathmatch Champion, uh, took on Casey Kirk and Sawyer Wreck and beat them in 14 minutes and 6 seconds. Obviously, we have sung Sawyer Wreck's praises. Rena Yumeshta, I have been a fan of for a very long time. She's just a phenomenal wrestler. I mean, like, higher level good. I saw her in Oz Academy was the first place I saw her about 10 years ago and she was just coming up and she was in a tag team with a partner she didn't trust and she just blew blew me away not because she was a great in-ring worker though she's solid but just a character work which was mm -hmm. Oz Academy is for those of you not watched Oz Academy before and there'll be people out there who have not watched Oz Academy Oz Academy's pro wrestling turned on its head where the hometown team, the the hen the team, are the heels. And so therefore, everything else revolves around the heels. <laughs> Rather than the majority of wrestling, it works the other way around. Because the founder of the company, Oz Academy, was a faction in Gaia back in the early 2000s. <laughs> and therefore, the founder of the company just built it around heels. Um, so the refs are crooked. The baby faces have to work twice as hard to get anywhere. Um, and you know it, it's been the making of so many people Asuka in WWE she had really good runs in that company um, um, oh, AEW Women's Champion Bikura Shida that's her she made herself in that company in a feud with Aja Khan um, and Yamashita was like on the come up in that company and she stood out by a mile because she just looked so different because she had the dreads and the 
the cornrows and the and the dungarees and just kind of like this happy-go-lucky aesthetic but you know she could go and she found this deathmatch thing and she's just killing it really is um casey kirk i've seen i think on a gcw show before but in a straight wrestling match never in a deathmatch before and sawyer wreck as we said is just outstanding and this was one of the best matches of the first round i think what did you think of this one Anna? Yeah, like, uh, it was definitely my favorite of the first round <laughs> matches, because, like, I, I even wrote, I said, going in, I think this is going to be one of my matches of the year. It wasn't, but it, I, I had high hopes. <laughs> but uh, I bought my first and only CZW show because of Casey Kirk. She was fighting James Lloyd, Jimmy Lloyd, the different boy, uh, in Cage of Death. Not Cage of Death. Uh, whatever the CZW one is that they do. Uh, but yeah, um, Rena, she, there was wrestling moves at the beginning, but then Rena said, no, 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 no. We're doing this my way now. And just started uh, smoking people with weapons and uh, a lot of like really great, powerful moves from everybody that made <laughs> everybody look good and made all of them look like they hurt like hell. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> but oh, my least favorite deathmatch weapon, uh, one of my least favorite deathmatch weapons came out in this one, and that was gusset plates. And they were self inflicted gusset plates to their own foreheads. So these very smart, beautiful, yeah, wonderful, I, talented I, ladies I, can I, slam each other in the face <laughs> with I, gusset plates dipped into their foreheads. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't get it. It was like, all right, no, I like a because like this is Matt Roberts is like doesn't understand forearm forearm standoffs at all, and I'm like I'm trying to explain it to him, and he's like, yeah, I don't get it. It's just like why are you standing there and hitting each other? Why can't you like do something more constructive as you're trying to win a wrestling match? And this is this that's this for me. It's just like you're trying to show off how hard you are, but you could do that by winning the wrestling match. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, but other than that, no, it was good. I have to say, it wasn't contrived. It was just I was a bit dumb. <laughs> there you go. Um, but the actual match itself was great. I really enjoyed it. And next up, to have a bit of break whilst they cleaned the ring up and tried to sort a few people out, and people got patched up backstage. Blake Christian defeated Alec Price, Gringo Loco, and Jack Cartwheel in four minutes and thirteen seconds. Uh, Blake Christian. Last time we watched him in GCW, was a babyface. And was doing. Wasn't he in AEW as well? Is he out of AEW? Yeah. Or is he done some guest? No, he done guest stops for Ring of Honor. That was it. He done some. He done. I think he was on the first Ring of Honor show in the Tony like Khan era. Um, and and he done some stuff for Impact. Um, and uh, Jack Cartwheel, we've seen him a lot in Glade locally. Gringo Loco yeah. is a member of Black. Um, Generation International in Glate, uh, so we're a big fan of his on this particular show. This was a bit of a mess, though. I have to say, it was all right, but it 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 it, it was a bit all over the place. <laughs> um, it, the show started. It started off with Jack Cartwheel doing cartwheels, and then Alec Price doing a cartwheel, and then Gringo Loco doing a cartwheel, and then Blake Christian kicking off because he's a heel, and therefore you know he's got to spoil everybody's fun, which was cool. I kind of like that bit. And then it just kind of like got a bit scrappy after that. Well, there was nothing, nothing terminally bad, but I don't think it was the best showcase for the four people involved. 
necessarily. What are your thoughts on this, Anna? This in two times <laughs> because I just I knew I saw and I just knew that I would not be into this match. <laughs> like okay i'll watch it but i'll watch it on two times speed because i want it over with <laughs> but I, I like alec price uh he'd fit in very well in our scene up in, in the maritimes he's a northeastern american uh indie wrestler does a lot of work at limitless and made and stuff like that so he would be a good fit up here he was definitely like me the reason I didn't skip this match and being like, ah, James, like, let's just cover the death match. Because <laughs> I do like Alec Price. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of showboat in the showboat and a lot of cartwheels. And I, like, I'm looking at Jack Cartwheel <laughs> and I'm looking at how athletic he is. And I'm like, you chose brain damage over, like, the Olympics? Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, well, yeah, I mean, it was I fine. Like, like it was right, good in two times speed, but I wouldn't have enjoyed like, him watching it any other way. <laughs> yeah, well, but equally, he hasn't found a way to kind of like channel it yet that's appreciable to his talent. Like he's he's great. Like you know, athleticism is a wonderful thing. But, like, you know, Ahmed Johnson was athletic. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean he was a great wrestler. It was because he never really kind of put things in the right place. Um, it was something we talked about with Master Wato, actually, um, on, earlier on the show when we were talking about, like, he just tore the house down with Roma Takahashi at, at Dominion. And it's like, two years ago, he was dreadful. Like, danger to himself and others, dreadful. Um, and now he's just on top of the world, and it just—it's just finding the right thing to click in the right place, and that's why I don't get with Jack Cartwheel. He's yet—he's yet to get the thing to click in the right place. But when he does, oh, he's going to be good. Um, Gringo Oka was already there, but like I said, this wasn't the best platform for him. Um, in Blake, he's great because he's—he's like—he still does all the lucha stuff, where he's a heel. <laughs> and he was in full Black Generation colors for this show as well. So that was cool too to see him. He was kind of wrestling as a baby face, but maybe just like that was the clean gear he had for that day. <laughs> so there you go. Ah, shall we move on to the semi finals? So the first semi final was John Wade Murdoch. He defeated Cyclope in 5 minutes and 33 seconds. This was on the shorter side, but they had an awful lot to fit in yes. in this particular mat, in this particular tournament. And, you know. There was a lot of damage done to each of these guys in this particular match. So, yeah, this was really good, though. What did you think of this one, Anna? <laughs> It'd be good when they bring out the weed wagger. You know, it's going to be good. They got the Ryobi. They went down to the Canadian Tire. Yeah. But, uh, so, mm. there were some things that made me nervous, though, like using the short part of the tube. You're not supposed to use the short part of the tube. Uh, it just doesn't break as easily because um, of the surface area. But, uh, yeah, a lot of, like, fun <laughs> stuff, barbed wire door. I saw my first barbed wire death match at a bar a couple weeks ago. I was very happy they had a barbed wire door, and I thought of you, James. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, John Wayne Murdoch, his skin is made out of tissue paper because he gets always get some really, really deep, nasty cuts in these tournaments. And he is always, like, really patched up by the end of it. And it's kind of, like, concerning. But I really just think he has thin skin. Like, it just gets cut very easily. But it just, he always looks so brutalized, even, like, in the second round. Yeah. Like, but I must say, say, a submission and a deathmatch tournament, that goes... So hard. I loved uh, that. The semi-finals. <laughs> like... 10 minutes and 37 seconds. This was pretty brutal. Now, Freedoms is not an inter intergender. I think I said interracial company. I'm like, what? <laughs> Most companies are interracial. We're not, we're not living in the 1930s. Um, yeah. Uh, Freedoms is not an intergender company. And generally speaking, these two wouldn't wrestle each other <laughs> in a death match anyway. So this must have been pretty special for both of them. <laughs> and Yamashita and the Segura showed you how much talent they had. This was an exceptionally compelling match. Um, and how often Yamashita, she's gone 10 minutes in this match, 14 minutes in the previous match. There were three ways a bit easier to deal with, because you're not wrestling all the time. Um, and she still had the final to go, and she looked fresh as a daisy all the way through this. So her cardio must be insane. Um, but this was, again, because of just the high quality of wrestling ability of both of them, which is the core thing people don't understand. You've got to be really good wrestlers to do this, or it's just terrible. It's just people in each other with stuff, and that's not good. You have to be able to be a good wrestler first to make this work. I don't think people quite understand that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's intriguing to me, because if you look at the best matches of the FMW deathmatch era, the, like, Exploding Bioboy era, they all involve women. <laughs> the actual best wrestling matches to watch because they were better wrestlers than the guys. That's no knock on Atsushi Anita, who's, you know, god of death matches. Of course he is. But Megumi Kudo and Combat Toyota were better wrestlers than he ever was. And I think probably Anita would probably admit that. Yeah. As far as technical wrestlers were concerned, and because they were great technical wrestlers, they made everything else work better. And this is a good example of that. Yamashita and Segura are brilliant technical wrestlers, and therefore this match works supremely well. In my opinion. What's your opinion? Hmm. It was really good. I thought Toru was having... I loved Toru having fun with the crowd. That was fun. I thought it was cute. He loves those... Loves those New Jersey fans. Um, so Toru sends Rina through what I can only be described, what I can only describe as just a bunch of shit. <laughs> it was just a lot of stuff. <laughs> and then he, uh, there was like, uh, Ray, uh, sorry, uh, Beta and Dave mentioned that uh, Rina likes to eat the light tubes backstage, or she likes to eat the light tubes. As a little treat, and then uh, of course it cuts to Toru eating a light too as a little treat. <laughs> but uh, she has the testicular claw move, which is, I am assuming, very effective. Could only assume. And uh, <laughs> hits him with a big lariat, and uh, he hits a concerto to his business. I just felt bad for Mr. Segura. <laughs> Social calendar made me clear. There was a lot going on. <laughs> yes. But, 
Yes. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, well, then Rena kind of hulks up and uh, um, she hits a splash mountain through the same pile of stuff in this one. This uh, for the big win and off to the match. And like I said, that was like this is a full half hour of deathmatch wrestling, over a half an hour of deathmatch wrestling for Rena Master. Now, obviously, the, the, they did like how can I put this? The the matches were well paced, but you must still have to do all this stuff. And to go for this length of time, your cardio has to be incredible. To take this amount of damage and still keep moving, you know, the risks that are involved in these matches as well. I I mean, we've talked about this before a long time ago on the Truth in the Show. I don't think there's any more risk in these matches compared to, say, big stiff matches in NOAA or big stiff matches in, in, in New Japan because um, they aren't taking massive heavy bumps all the time, you only need two big bumps because you're landing in barbed wire or glass. So therefore, you know, it's less impact and more cuts and stuff. But still, you know, again, you're landing in glass. <laughs> so absolutely hats off to you, Master. She was outstanding in this tournament and she was a well-deserved win. What were your thoughts on this main event? Oh yeah, like absolutely well deserved, and she fought for it. And John Wayne Murdoch, I, I wouldn't have been unhappy if he had taken the tournament win either, because he has been due his big moment in GCW for a long time, uh, because of some stupid petty political stuff, and I won't get into it. But uh, yeah, I judging by everything that was going on, the scaffolding, the light tubes around the ring, the and literally everything, I knew it was going to be an absolute cluster, <laughs> and that uh, like. Somebody, and I did not know who, was going to be falling off that. And turns out it was both. <laughs> both jumped off the scaffolding to my mm. chagrin. <laughs> but uh, the light tube across the mouth and, like, breaking it, like, it's one of the most nerve-wracking moves, but one of my favorite moves that they do in Deathmatch because I just think it's so brutal. Mm. But I also understand, like, that is so dangerous. Like, your tongue is the strongest muscle in your body. Like, that is not something to mess with. But, like, yeah, <laughs> just, he got his receipts. I'm pretty sure there was a that is yucky chant, which I I wouldn't be surprised was started by people that I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would try to start at a wrestling show. But, uh... Yeah, I, one of my notes is, oh no, JWM, don't go up there. It's dangerous. You two, Rena, get down. <laughs> I just kind of like write my stream of conscious thoughts about the match in my notes. But uh, yeah, Splash bouncing through the like 10 million tubes and chairs for the um, tournament win. And freedom, she just breaks down and cries and just is so happy. A, and I'm so happy Japanese for her. And the like, crowd is yeah, giving her a standing ovation. And I just love um, it. Woohoo! Go team! Turned on her. And a masked person uh, came and attacked her from the crowd. 
um, who unsurprisingly was Jung Kasai. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, oh, really? You couldn't put a mask on? Like, no one walks like you. <laughs> it's like, you're the most recognizable walk in pro wrestling history, and you're going to, like... Oh, God. But, yes. Uh, so, there is the next ready-made feud, GCW versus Freedom, <laughs> which is really... Stuff the rice itself. Um, and there was a big celebration and a ceremony um, after the particular match. Um, where your match still was presented with the trophy for... Uh, which looked very much like the King of Death Matches tournament trophy from uh, the Kawasaki Baseball Stadium back in 1995, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and Yamashita uses that to challenge the GCW World's Heavyweight Champion, uh, Masha Slamovich, the following night at Cage of Survival, which we're going to talk about in a second. But what's your thoughts on Freedoms versus GCW as the next big thing? Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I think incredible. it's going to be great. Uh, again, like, that's another working I, relationship that you see to like, leave off with freedoms. They also have a bit of a working I, just relationship. Just them going over to Japan and stuff. And do you have a working relationship with AEW? I don't think AEW have a working relationship with GCW, but I think that um, GCW and AEW talk on a regular basis for the whereabouts of John Moxley. <laughs> Though I think Mox has been off the GCW radar for a while because I think Tony needs him more than, more than GCW do, which is fair enough. So I think he lets him go to go do blood sport stuff. Um, uh, where are we? Yes, yeah, so Cage of Survival. Um, uh, we didn't watch the whole show, uh, but Maki Ito defeated Jenny, Jenny, Jenny Kai. Jenny Kai is off to Glate, um, as we discussed earlier in this show. Matt Cardona and Steph Delanda, the new king and queen of Healdon on the Indies, defeated the Kirks, Brandon Kirk and Casey Kirk. El Hijo del Vingo, El Hijo del Vikingo, defeated Ninja Mac, which I haven't seen, but I can't believe is 6.94 from the cage match users, because that must have been insane. More flips than a flippy thing. East West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, along with Mike Bailey, defeated Alec Price, Jack Cartwheel and Jimmy Lloyd. Le Mazzicchio's Ciclope Emilio Extremo defeated Soul Meat, Tommy Hirata and Terry Segura, which is obviously moving that forward. Well, I did see El Desperado defeating Joey Janela in 18 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, in a death match, which was exceptionally good, which gave Desperado that confidence to challenge John Moxley. So that was an important match in New Japan Pro Wrestling as well as in GCW. And we get to the main event, which is Masha Slamovich versus Rini Mashta, 25 minutes and 14 seconds for about 20 minutes of this match. And then Blake Christian, who had a shot at the World Championship in his back pocket, decides to claim it with literally five seconds left. Um, and manages to take out Masha Slamovich to win the GCW World Championship, much to the chagrin of the New Jersey crowd. This was an absolute thriller and rock and roll matchup all the way yeah. through up until the very end. What do you think of this one, Anna? Well, like, there's a lot of weaponry. We've got barbed wire on the outside. We've got, like, the cage and, like, the scaffolding. Like, I know it's going to be brutal just looking at the setup here and just 
from what I have seen, I actually didn't get to watch the full match. I saw some of the highlights. From what I have seen, it was absolutely brutal. And especially, like, with Rena winning the night before Tournament of Survival, the challenging for the the GCW Heavyweight Champion the night before, like, that is, like, such... I don't know, that's amazing thing to do like you are already gassed and uncut up and but you still want more violence you still crave more violence and you're willing to go for that big heavyweight title against and i would feel like the confidence from rena because like yeah, she has that death and she has that edge with that wrestling because masha she does it sometimes but she's only been doing it for a little bit and kind of seldom often so um and she's been doing She's been doing violent stuff because she's just generally violent. <laughs> um, obviously, if you've watched her, if you've watched her character in Impact Wrestling, a character is a killer. That's that's her job, you know. And she comes in as a, she came in as a killer, hasn't managed to get to the um, Impact Knockouts mm. Championship yet, but I'm sure she will do it in the end, especially after this run with the GCW World Championship, um, because she beat Nick Gage. And that's, you know, the, the, the company clearly has an awful lot of faith in her for that. And she produces matches like this, so you, you've got to go with her. Any thoughts on Blake Christian as GCW World Champion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is my thought. Uh, I mean, it's deserved, but it's something that should have happened four years ago. Mm. He was huge at GCW like four years ago. <laughs> like, when he was a baby face is when he should have been the champ. Like, I don't like heel Blake to yeah. begin with. And, like, yeah, well, this okay is just then. something that well, it's just it's too little too late. Close to these matches. And you shouldn't have watching these cards. Stop matches bring like to share to that short show. and that stupidly. <laughs> no, I I mean it's a good I love some good violent death match wrestling. Frog splashes glass through cages through death and also entertaining the drunk new jersey crowd i always love these atlantic city shows i think they have such good energy i know people that have gone on road trips down there and i hope to join them someday and be able to witness like this spectacle in real life I am on Twitter. I'm beer uncle, beer yeah. underscore yeah, underscore yeah, uncle on Twitter. Yeah, you, you can find me uh, at Sheriff Foster on Twitter. You can find and, me on Sheriff Foster on Twitter. I sell spicy stuff. You can find the Buy it. <laughs> you can find us on The Trooping Show on Facebook and on Patreon where you keep The Trooping Show free forever for everyone. We have a Discord too, which is what we're recording this particular show on right now. Uh, you can find that on Discord. It's Troopy Show Podcast. Um, I think that's all the social media coverage we can put in. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us today, where we literally had a quick run through of five cards. There's podcast entertainment for you. Five actual wrestling cards. Some partially, some in full, two in full, three in full, but not all of them. Because, you know, 
It's just the way it is, isn't it? Uh, next week we'll be back and we'll be looking at New Japan, Old Japan and Noah in All Together with myself and John, which we're going to record next week. We promise. Take care and speak to you soon. Bye! Thank you.